Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Okay, what are you made of? Let's think about this for a moment. Okay, we're talking about identity in Christ. You know, do you know what happened to you the very moment you said yes to Jesus and became a Christian? Like, think about it. A lot of Christians don't live from that place of understanding what actually happened to them. They became a Christian and now it's a box that they tick, or it's their invitation to church or something. But what did the gospel make you? What did the gospel make you? We're going to be unpacking that over the next couple of weeks. And I believe it's got the power to change your life in ways you didn't think of. And so I, I, I pity those that couldn't make it tonight. Because this is something that I'm speaking on that impacted my life and changed my life. That's why I'm sharing on it. I'm not sharing something because it was a good idea. You know, um, uh, 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 however long a week or two weeks ago I was praying about it and I was like, like what, what have you got for us, God? And I specifically felt focused in on, on identity. Why? Because identity uh, uh, is the foundation from which we live. Even the unbeliever, foundation for their life is who they think they are. And I'll even draw the line and say it's not so much who you are as much as who you think you are. Because if you're a believer here tonight, you're, you're probably much more than you realize. But you're not living beyond your revelation. You're living at the level of your revelation. You're living at the, the, the level of your understanding of who you are. Because you can't live beyond that. You cannot act. Has anyone done something out of character? I have. My hand is up. The rest of your life. Like, like we, we sometimes do things and we're like, that was stupid. That wasn't the, like me. You know. Um, it, it happens to everybody, I suppose, at times. Maybe some, some worse than others. Maybe not so bad or whatever. But, but it, it happens. And here's the thing. Do you consistently act like that? What did you do, Anna? No, I'm joking. Don't ask. <laughs> Let's use an example. Eh? <laughs> so, so it's like, what did you do? Like, that was out of character. Do you do that all the time? If you do it all the time, then it's not out of character. It's out of character because you don't do it all the time. It's not consistent with who you are. Even this week, you know, I was in a situation where uh, someone acted completely out of character. And uh, uh, in that moment, I was like completely confused. That, that's how I responded to it. I was like, I, 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 I phoned someone, I was like, I have no idea what to do with this right now. Please, can you help me? I was like, I, I, this is not, I, I don't know. Based on what just happened, that individual's not the individual that, that I know. So you need to help me. Because, but, but now I know that because it's out of character, it's not who they are. They just made a decision out of character. The problem is, is a lot of those decisions can sometimes wreck our lives, right? And so we need to learn to live from who we are, not from the false us that seems to try and come up. Okay? But, um, now you've got a false you that's trying to live, and you've got you, the true you, that's trying to live. So now it's up to you who you decide who lets win. And it's not a sinful nature. We'll talk about that next week. You don't have one. Okay, but come next week for that one. So, it is possible to not experience what the gospel did to you. Did you know that? It's possible to not experience what the gospel has done to you. What it's done to you is, is done to you. You can't make it done to you if you're a Christian. Okay, this is brilliant English, by the way. What's done to you is done to you. You can't do it to you. It's done. <laughs> Okay, but that's the grace of God. But now if you want to experience it, you need to cooperate. There's something you've got to know. Okay. Um, let me ask this question. What's more powerful? Think about this. I've said this before, but don't, so don't say it out loud. But what's more powerful than what God says about you? 
What's more powerful than what God thinks about you? What you think about you? What you say about you? You're your problem. Not God. (laughs) Not even the devil is your problem compared to you. Because you've got authority over the devil. So it's a case of we need to learn to know who we are and live accordingly. I, I, I was in um, a different situation, different circumstance, uh, but I was talking to someone and um, once and they were like, um, um, I can't remember which relative it was, but one of their relatives, they were just like, you know, this, uh, let's say it's a mother-in-law, this mother-in-law of mine, <laughs> you know, they just um, continuously like trying to influence us and tell us how to live our lives. Okay? Anyone experienced something like that? Not from a mother-in-law, just anyone. <laughs> you know, they, keep, they keep trying to tell us how to do our lives. And I was like, but I don't understand what the problem is. Okay, then they said, well, how, where, where, I need to draw the line somewhere. I need to tell them that they shouldn't tell us how to live. And I was like, why? They were like, because it's a problem. I said, why is it a problem? See, the problem isn't that the person's sharing their opinion. The problem is that it matters to that individual. Because the person whose opinion you value the most or you're allowed to hold value in your life, that's the, the, your life will form around what they say. But I mean, there's many people, maybe all of you even, you can tell me what you think <laughs> about me and how I should live my life. And guess what? I'm going to say, wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And I'll forget about it as soon as I leave the conversation, if it's rubbish. If it's rubbish, I'm not going to remember it. If it's good, I'll take it. But if it's rubbish, you can talk to me as long as you want. It only affects, because the the person said, but what about the power of words? What about the power of words? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah, words only have power over you if you let them have power over you. Okay? Okay? Like, like, like I, um, is it, it, I'm trying to think of a good example. You know, I'm not the best example here right now, because I can put on Sean and just start like, saying he's stupid and all this, but I know he values my opinion. <laughs> so it's not going to be a healthy example. But if someone off the street just randomly walked in here and started pointing at you and going, you're stupid, like you're good for nothing. You're never going to amount to anything. What are you going to think about that? Like, who are you? Especially if maybe it's a homeless person or something like that. You're not going to consider what they say to you, right? But because somebody that you know and like and you want to please them comes to you and says, Ah, I don't like that, what you're doing. I don't think it's a good idea. All of a sudden you hit a panic. Because someone says, Oh, you're not good enough. All of a sudden you think you're not good enough because... You, you, you want to please them. You want to, to have their approval. So it's a, this is a big problem. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For As he thinks in his heart, so is he. The second part, eat and drink, blah, blah, blah. But the first part is key there. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. This is saying that the way that you think determines the way that you live. Okay? You're so is he. All of us have a so is he. Okay, that's the way you live. Your so is he is determined by the way that you think. Okay, so what we think is really important. What we think is really important. I can believe in you, your spouse can believe in you, but if you don't believe in you, you'll never reach your divine potential. That's why we're focusing on identity. Okay, Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the, not the removal of your mind, the renewing of your mind. That means changing your way of thinking. We all need to do it. And what do we change our thinking? To think in line with what God thinks. All of us have an area of our lives where we need to start thinking more like God. And even in identity in Christ, I can guarantee no one person, including myself, in this room, thinks of themselves the way that God thinks 100%. So we all can grow in this. How do I know? We just look at the fruit in our lives and we know. (laughs) The evidence is in the fruit. Amen? So what are we basing our identity on? What are we basing our identity on? 
Um, yeah, I've shared this in different places, in different, and even in, in, in Rondebosch, I've shared a, a, a similar teaching. And I remember this, um, the, this um, uh, story that I told. Some of you haven't heard it. Of a rugby player who came to see me before he went to go and play his first game at Newlands. Okay, so I was living in Stellenbosch and he popped by my house and he says, um, I, need you to, I need to talk to you. So now he's in his suit, you know, getting ready to go to Newlands and he's sitting in my, my lounge and he's like, um, he's nervous, obviously, it's his first game. And he's like, uh, please would you pray for me? <laughs> and I was like, Jesus, in my head, I'm saying, Jesus, how do you pray for this? Like, what do you pray? Like, what, is, what do you do? What do you say? And so I was like, awesome, let's pray. <laughs> I didn't tell him everything I'm thinking. And I just put my hand on his big shoulder and I said, um, <laughs> uh, uh, and I just started praying in the spirit quietly and I was like, God, give me something. And uh, I started praying for him. I was just like, I pray for so-and-so, I bless so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And then something popped up in my heart and I said to him, God, when I stopped, I said, God wants you to know you're not a rugby player. And his whole face dropped. <laughs> his springbok aspirations uh, 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 just like fell to the ground. And I said, you're a son who plays rugby. And then his face lit up because I was showing him his true identity. And I said to him, you are not what you do. Remember that and enjoy the, the match. Don't, don't, don't tie your identity to this. Today he's not playing rugby. <laughs> today, you know, uh, 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 today's not playing rugby. The point is, is we place so much value on things and we put our, um, what do you call it, our, our identity and our worth and our value in things that chop and change. Okay? You are not what you do. Okay? So, you know, many people are searching for who they really are, but they're searching in all the wrong places. Maybe you are too. What is identity? So when we introduce ourselves, someone asks, tell me about yourself, who are you, something like that. And what do we do? We often answer them by saying, this is what I do for a living. Or we say uh, uh, something about, um, uh, something in line with that. This is what I do, this is my name. Yeah, you can change your name, hey? I don't want to ask if anyone's changed their name yet. But if you got married, ever you've changed your name at least. But it's like, did that change who you are? Or were you still the same person? I mean, getting married maybe is a little bit different because it is a bit of an identity thing. But at the same time, it doesn't change who you are. You can, you can, you can change vocations, change careers, and it doesn't change who you are, right? At your core, are you still who you are? Yes. Are you awake? Yes. <laughs> yes, you're still who you are. So let's take this further. You know, if you're a sports person and you have an accident and you can no longer play that sport, what do they refer to you as? Former sports person. <laughs> former cricketer. No, you're not a cricketer anymore. Former rugby player. Yeah? You were a president and now you're not the president. What do they refer to you as? Former president. <laughs> you, you, it, you, so if your identity is wrapped up in what you do, you've got a problem, right? Okay? What we do for a living is part of our makeup, part of who we are, but it's not our, our core identity. We base our identity on so many wrong things. We need to keep it real in what it, and, and, and centered on what it truly is. You know, I thought about it like this years back, and I, I, I like this analogy. If, if I took, uh, uh, let's take Sean, since I've started picking on him. <laughs> And we cut off Sean's arms and we cut off Sean's legs. And he was just a torso with a head. Okay? Would Sean still be Sean? Sean would still be Sean, okay? I'm glad your name's Sean. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Stop it. So, the, 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 you know, you would still be you. If you changed your name from Sean to... Bob, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> we changed your name to Bob. Would he, would, would, at his core, would he still be who he is, even if he changed his name? Now, you can apply this to different gender issues and whatever, but I'm not doing that. You can do that, okay? We're talking about just identity right now, okay? If we were to dress him up in a gorilla costume, would Sean still be Sean? If we got implants into him that he looked like a gorilla? Because it's possible, would he still be Sean? He'd still be Sean at his core. Okay, you can still change your name, but who you are is still who you are. 
You know, when, I, when I, um, I've stood at funerals and the, uh, uh, you have the, the body lying there, you know what, one of my favorite things to say to people is, the essence of uncle so-and-so or auntie so-and-so or whatever, that person's not sure. You're looking at a body and you're crying, but they're not there. The essence of them is still uh, uh, in existence, but they're not sure. So if you cut off your legs, if, if you pull a Michael Jackson and change your skin color, because it's possible, you're still who you are. You can have facial reconstruction, surgery, and you can look completely different, and you're still who you are. You know, some of you met me with long hair, and then you had to re-meet me, but I was still who I am. You know, uh, so like you can't, that doesn't determine who you are. Okay, you get the point. If I changed everything, even my vocal cords, to make my voice sound different, and I got the gorilla implants, and all that kind of stuff, do you think God would recognize me? At my core, He would recognize me. He would have compassion on me. Amen? You get the point. What are we basing our identity on? We need to base our identity on the truth of God's Word and not on feelings or experiences. Because the problem is, is that we base it on feelings and we base it on experiences, on what other people think. But God's Word should define us. What He thinks should define us in this area. Amen? So where does our true identity come from? James chapter 1. Are we still on or not? Huh? Ah, okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, so... James chapter 1, you've got a Bible or a phone. James chapter 1, verse 23 to 24. Good. <laughs> it says, for... No, I don't need it. <laughs> My comfort. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face, natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Okay? So it's talking about the Word being a mirror. Listen to what the Passion says. If you listen to the Word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror, the mirror of the Word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the Word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. I really like how the Passion puts it there. So you look in a natural mirror to see what you look like. But we look in the Word of God, a spiritual mirror, to see how He sees us. To see how He sees us. So how does God see us? That's what we've got to ask. But the, the best question here, if you open in, in James chapter 1, verse 24, the next verse is super, super amazing. Okay, what is the Word? Because not saying the Word of God is a mirror. What is the Word? It's not the Bible. This, I've taught on this already, and that teaching applies here too. The mirror is contained in the Bible. But you can't read through Job and discover your identity in Christ. It's true. Okay, so verse 25 from King James says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, say perfect law of liberty, okay, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed indeed. Now the Passion uh, 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 paints it a bit better. <laughs> okay, the Passion says, but those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Okay, so now they, they, if you read on then, they, they define very nicely what... Um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the word is, and it says that the word is the perfect law. Or the royal law of love, it's also called. Okay? The royal law of love. This is, this is really significant. So listen up. Um, James chapter 2 verse 8 says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, 
So it's talking about a royal law that's in the scripture. Genesis to Malachi. Okay. Um, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, uh, ye do well. So this is all basically to show what is the word. It's, It's the perfect law of liberty. The royal law of love. Okay, and um, uh, 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 if we think about it, we're all born of love. So the focus here is love. Okay, the focus here is love. And if it's love, then, and I'm born of love, then I should start to operate in love. Okay, we should all be starting to operate in love. 1 John 4 verse 8 says God is love. 1 John 5 verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God. Are you born of God? Then you're born of love. So that means at your core, this is a a true identity thing that you need to... We often think, I'm I'm, I'm just like Jesus. I'm, I'm righteous. I'm this, I'm that, I'm the next thing. And those things are true statements with regards to our identity in Christ. But one of the biggest ones that we neglect is, I am love. Because I'm born of love. Okay, I'm just like my father in that respect. We have love on the inside of us. Jesus. Does Jesus live inside of you? Some of you aren't convinced. But if Jesus lives in you because you're a Christian, then love lives inside of you. But not only that, I mean, you know, um, if a child is born, he's 100% or she's 100% human. Okay? Got the parents' DNA and all of that. God's DNA is love. It's who He is. God is love means you can't separate God and love. So because you can't separate God and love, you are now love. Okay? You are love. So this is one of the greatest keys with regard to our identity is realizing that we are love. But here's another key. Galatians chapter 4 verse 7. Check this out. Galatians chapter 4 verse 7. Galatians 4 verse 7 from the Passion says, Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're His, we can access everything our Father has, for we are heirs because of what God has done. That's beautiful. Think about it. This is what the Word is revealing to us about who we are. The Gospel is the Word. Okay? The message of the Gospel is the Word. I'm going to clarify that quickly. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Bible. No. By the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God which is contained in the Bible. The Word of God is the, the Gospel. It's the message of Christ. Okay, so faith comes by hearing the message of Christ. Do you think the Jews know the Old Testament? They do know the Old Testament. Okay, do they have faith? No, not saving faith. Because they need to hear the gospel for saving faith. So you can live in the Old Testament without getting to saving faith, without getting to salvation. We need to see this. Saving faith comes through the gospel, and the gospel made us children of God. Now, when you receive the message of the gospel, you become a child of God. And this verse is saying, we now enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters, not slaves. So, a question that you need to ask yourself is, do you see yourself as a slave or do you see yourself as a son or daughter of God? That's really important. Do you see yourself as a slave or do you see yourself as a son or a daughter of God? You know, the evidence is in the fruit. So we can look at your life and uh, uh, we can see the fruit. Do you think that you're a slave or do you think you're a son? Look at this. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 to 16. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 to 16. It says... The passion. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. That's a good place to say amen. (laughs) Religious duty is just a a death. You know, warmed up. 
you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. So if you have this feeling of, I'm never going to be good enough, or I'm not good enough, or am I good enough? If that's constantly what you're thinking and constantly what you're feeling, guess what? You're under the spirit of religious duty. You're not focused in on the right thing. You're not hearing the right message or you're not receiving the right message. You might be a Christian, but you're not acting like a son. You're not acting like a daughter. Okay, it continues, Romans 8.15, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance. This is the spirit of sonship. It describes it as the spirit of full acceptance. You're fully accepted by God. How, how, how much, if you were to rate that on a percentage, how much do you feel fully accepted by God? <laughs> it's a good, good to be honest there. If you don't realize that like where you're at, you won't be able to go where you need to go. You need to realize where you're at to, to, realize, to, to be able to get to where you need to be. Look, listen to the rest of it. So it says, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. This is talking about relationship and intimacy. This is talking about relationship and intimacy. You know what it's showing us is that the gospel shows us we've got a, 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 a relationship with God close one we his children he's our father verse 16 for the holy spirit makes uh, makes god's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our inmost being you are god's beloved child did you know that at your core this is what the holy spirit is continuously ministering to you this is what he wants you to know because he knows that if you can have a revelation if this can be settled in your heart for good guess what you're going to start to live like that. You're going to start to experience freedom. You're going to start to experience His goodness in such a powerful way that it's going to change everything. This is talking about the gospel. The gospel gives you your true identity. We can learn a lot from King David. We can learn a lot from Elijah, Elisha, and anyone else that you find in the Old Testament. Moses and all the boys and girls. Okay? You can learn a lot from them. But listen, you can never identify with them. You cannot identify with the, the disciples in the Gospels. So it's a good thing. Go watch The Chosen. It's, 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 it brings the Bible visuals so that you're encouraged and you get to see it's good. But what I'm saying is that um, uh, you should never put yourself in their shoes because you're better off. They walked with Jesus. You don't. And you're better off. Why? Because he's one, you're one with Him. He lives in you. We're going to talk about that union, that identity, that oneness at some point in this month too. But we need to, to, to realize how blessed we are that we're not kind of waiting on a, 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 for Sunday to meet with Jesus. We're not excited to be having dinner with Jesus. Because we're always just with Him. We always just in, can enjoy Him at any moment. Isn't it good news that you don't need to come to a service to get healed? It's good to come to a service if you're sick and you, you want to, people to lay hands on you and, and we'll pray with you and all of that. But you can do that at home. Because the healer lives inside of you. Legalism... You could, you could say legalism is focusing in on what we need to do for God, not what He's done for us. Legalism is a focusing on everything we need to do, not what He's done. Okay? And legalism, or getting our identity from doing, not being. Okay? Who were the first legalists? Adam and Eve. Why? Because they were focused in on what they, they did. 
or what they had to do or didn't do or whatever. They, 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 were, they, they were trapped there. Okay, there wasn't law for them to be legalists yet, but the spirit of the law. What I'm trying to show you is that when we focus on what we need to do for God and not what He's done, we're, we're in bondage. It's not freedom. And it's, it, you know what it's going to produce? Insecurity and a whole bunch of problems. Someone who's insecure doesn't know who they are in Christ, even if they can parrot it. So, you know, when we're established in our identity in Christ, I had this up on the screen for you, so pretend it's there. When we're established in our identity in Christ, we don't need followers because we're secure in Him. We don't need man's approval. We don't live for people's approval. When we're secure in identity in Christ, we're marked with joy and peace. When you're not rooted in your identity in Christ, you lack joy and you lack peace. You might have sporadic experiences of joy and peace, but it's not a constant thing in your life. When we're established in our identity in Christ, we are free to serve and free to love people truly. We don't need a position or a title. We're free to succeed because we're free to fail. And we are free to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. This past week we had um, a friend of mine who's uh, in Wawam in Australia. She, she joined us for boot camp and, and, and ministered um, uh, uh, to us a bit and, uh, and the Grace Ambassadors as well. And one of the things that she said really blessed me because I've never seen it like this. And it was that in her walk with the Lord, she's been a missionary for now 18 years, and she said she realized uh, that looking back that she only truly was able to make the right decision, the decisions in her life. She was only, to make the right, uh, only able to make the right decisions when she understood who she was in Christ. Before that, she was kind of just all over the show. But as soon as she focused in on her identity in Christ and she got established in that, she, she was able to make the right decisions. And that blessed me so much because, I mean, I can see that that's true. I've never thought of it like that. But you'll never be able to fulfill God's purpose for your life. How about that? You'll never be able to walk in His plans for you because you won't... You'll be so... In, if you're not secure in your identity in Christ... You're going to be making decisions according to the wrong foundation. Think about it. Based on what I've just said to you, if I'm insecure and I'm not founded in my relationship with God, and God says to me, hey, like he did uh, when we were leading Stellenbosch, hand over the church to Peter and Natasha and leave. <laughs> if I wasn't secure, you know what my immediate answer was? Cool, let's do this. Like, let's go. Like, I wasn't unhappy or anything, but I was just like, I'll, I'll do whatever God says. I wasn't like, I, 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 and then he asked me, are you going to be okay without a pulpit? I was like, I didn't think about that. And I thought about it for a moment, and I said, of course I'll be fine. I don't need a pulpit. I don't find my contentment from standing at the pulpit. My identity is not at the pulpit. And a lot of ministers do tie their identity to a pulpit and they struggle with that. But for me, I don't need one. And for two years, I didn't stand at a pulpit. I stood maybe at three pulpits in two years after that because of our travels and everything like that. But the point is, is that if, we're, if, we're, if I wasn't secure in my identity in Christ, I might have said, get behind me, Satan. This is not the Lord speaking. I am the man of God. I have built this church and this is, this is my, um, what do they call it, legacy. This is my legacy. I can't leave this. That's another topic for another day. <laughs> you will never be free to make the right decisions until you are established in your true identity. Yet the way that you see yourself determines the way that you live. The way that you see yourself determines the way that you live. Look with me at Numbers chapter 13. So you've got well, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Okay? Uh, uh, just before Deuteronomy. Numbers chapter 13. 
30 to 33. Numbers chapter 13, 30 to 33. Amplified classic version. It says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses. So now what's happened is Moses has just sent out the spies to go and spy out the promised land. What land is it? The promised land. He's going to, he sent out the spies to go and spy out the land that God had promised them. That's why it's called the promised land, in case you didn't know. So God had promised this land to them. Uh, to them. He had led them to there. And then, he's, then Moses is like, go spy out the land and come back and tell us what you see. Tell us what's happening. Okay. Caleb silences the people before Moses. And you know what he says? He says, let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to conquer it. That's a good report. Everyone say, good report. Okay, verse 31. But his fellow scouts said, We are not able to go up against the people of Canaan, for they are much stronger than we are. <laughs> so they brought the Israelites an evil report out of the land which they had scouted out. Now, I'll, I'll carry on reading now, but I found this interesting. As I was looking through different translations, I default to King James. And I loved how the King James called it an evil report. And I read through it and I was like, okay, let me, then generally what I do is I try and choose an easier to read translation for us so that it's more palatable if we're reading a large portion of scripture, okay? And uh, 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 every single translation I usually go to called it some other, trans, uh, other report, I think a, a negative report or a bad report, or, but it didn't call it an evil report. And I thought they're trying to calm it down and cool it off a little bit, water it down so that it's not so mean. But the reality is what? It's an evil report. <laughs> what was the evil report? It was focused in on, 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 on the negativity of the situation when God had said, this belongs to you. But God, you don't know how big the giants are. But God, it's so difficult. God, I don't know how I'm going to talk. I don't know. Look, Lord, I know you called me to ministry, but how am I going to do that? Lord, I know this, but how am I going to do that? And it's like, if you're coming up with too many reasons why it can't work, but it's a promise from God, that's an evil approach, according to the Bible. That's why I chose Amplified, because it used the word evil, and I thought it would bless you. Okay? <laughs> so, they brought the Israelites an evil report. <coughs> of the land <coughs> which they had scouted out, saying, the land through which we went to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Have you ever seen a land like that? You must be careful. <laughs> if you turn down the wrong street here, there's one street that devours people. It's completely desolate, but it devours people. There's nothing like that. Okay, that doesn't exist. So these guys are, are, are exaggerating. They're exaggerating. Exaggerating is part of an evil report. So if you're feeling threatened by even medical reports, be careful not to focus in on the exaggeration sometimes, because usually doctors in their goodness and their kindness, I'm related to some, they, they do their best to take us to the extreme of what could happen so that we understand the gravity of the situation. And so in that, then I mean, that's a good thing. They're trying to help us. But if we get fixed on that, sometimes we lose hope. And so listen to the report, thank them for the report and get into the Word. Okay? Focus in on the hope that you have, not on the problem that you have. Because here, they're focused on the problem, not on the hope of the promise that they had received. Okay, and what do they say? All the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. There, were, there we saw the Nephilim, or giants, the sons of Anak, who come from the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. <laughs> and so we were in their sight. That's a powerful last statement there. Um, We've got so many grasshoppers at home. There's one under my bed at the moment. And at night it likes to sing to me. I'm choosing cricket. It's a grasshopper. It's the same thing. No, it's a cricket. Okay, let's pretend it's the same thing. 
It's a, 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 I'm choosing to receive it as a blessing that it wants to serenade me. But when I used to record for TV at home, uh, uh, it was a nuisance because they would be in the house and uh, you'd hear the crickets in the background while we're trying to record. And that wasn't helpful at all. Okay. But here's the thing. How small is a grasshopper or a cricket? I mean, you know, you can say I've seen a big one like this, but it's still small. Okay. If you were to sit on it, it would no longer be. Okay. The point is, as they said, we in our own sight, we saw, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we, so were we in their sight. Point is, it doesn't matter how you see yourself. It matters is, uh, sorry, it doesn't really matter how anyone else sees you. What matters is how you see you. And because they saw themselves as grasshoppers, that's why they saw themselves. They saw the the spies as uh, grasshoppers. The Israelites saw themselves as inferior, and it limited what God could do. If we see ourselves winning on the inside, we'll see it on the outside. If, but if you never see yourself winning on the inside, you'll never win. If you never see victory or freedom on the inside, you'll never see victory or freedom on the outside. You need to see it on the inside to experience it on the outside. Okay? David was smaller than Goliath. Amen? Do you agree? David was smaller than Goliath. Okay? But he didn't see himself that way. What did he say? He, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What was he saying? He says, I've got a covenant with God. This guy doesn't. Who does he think he is? We go, I'm, I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to re remove your head from your body today, sir. <laughs> and the amazing thing is, is David didn't have a sword. He was looking at the giant sword and saying, <laughs> you think that that thing's going to touch me, but it's going to touch you. And then you're going to say, he touched me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's a, a hymn like that. Maybe that's where it comes from. Anyway, the, 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 we've got to see ourselves the way God sees us. The bigger our enemy, the bigger our problem, the bigger the testimony, the greater the victory. But we mustn't lose hope in our hearts. Now, did you know that the way they assumed the giants were seeing them was actually incorrect? They saw themselves as grasshoppers and then they assumed that they saw themselves as grasshoppers. But that's not what the Word of God says. Okay, in Joshua 2, verse 10 and 11, I'm not going to turn there, but it says that the Canaanites' hearts had melted 40 years before when they heard about what happened at the Red Sea with the Israelites. So they were actually fearful of the Israelites. They didn't look at them as grasshoppers. They saw them and they saw their big God. Okay? They assumed things that were not true. And that led to wrong conclusions. So my question to you is what are you assuming about yourself that's leading to wrong conclusions? Because you are your worst enemy. You are holding yourself back from walking in the destiny that God's got for you. It's not lack of opportunity. It's usually just the way we see ourselves because then we don't have that confidence to be able to go for it often. So the way we see ourselves largely determines how we receive from God. Last verse, Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. What are you made of? What are you made of? The, I, I'm just really wanting us to see tonight the importance of the way we see ourselves and the importance of our identity in Christ. Okay, Galatians 2.20 is key for uh, identity in Christ. It says, I am crucified with Christ. What does that mean? It carries on. It means I'm dead. Nevertheless, I, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that powerful? I'm dead, but Christ lives in me. That is the most important identity that you could try and adopt this week. <laughs> I'm dead. You know what happens with temptation? If you're dead... Have you ever seen a, a, a corpse tempted? I've lifted the hand of a corpse once. 
And I had to put the hand down because the hand wasn't going to stay up. I'm just trying to say there's no life in a corpse. You know? You can, you can shout at a corpse, you can scream at a corpse, you can spit on a corpse, and the corpse will do nothing. Okay? Did you know that you should be like that? When someone comes and starts shouting at you, and screaming at you, and spitting on you, especially for the sake of Christ, you go, oh, shame, I'm sorry, is something wrong? <laughs> sorry, you missed my other cheek. <laughs> You know, the, the, the points I'm trying to make is like, it's difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. But once you, de- once you realize how dead you are, it's easy. It's just us letting go of ourselves, which is difficult. That phrase, Christ lives in me. If you look it up in the, 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 the Greek there, I loved it. One of the, the, the definitions is that it refers to living water. Having vital power in itself and exerting the same upon the soul. Your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. To be full of vigor. To be refreshed, strong, efficient, powerful. So, Christ lives in me. I'm dead. It's not, it's not a weak thing. It's a refreshing thing. And I mean, this is what Jesus said. This is referring to John chapter 7. You'll have streams of living water flowing from within you. Those streams are what actually is giving you life right now. Those streams are what what giving you a a strength, power, a freshness, vigor. And it's affecting your soul. Christ in you is not just some kind of spiritual concept that you can't experience. God's desire is that you are so convinced of Christ in you and that you're dead that now He's living through you that it's affecting your mind and your mind is being transformed and it's affecting your will and you're making better decisions. This is the soul. And it's affecting your emotions. Your emotions are not controlling you. You are leading them. And you are starting to, to live from a place of not emotion, but truth. Because you know who you are in Christ, and you know Christ is living in you and living through you. Now, a lot of people look at this and talk about dying to self. Okay? And there's people who have taken this dying to self to an extreme. And instead of being free from self, they are so, so, so focused in on themselves that they are consumed with self. In trying to destroy self. (laughs) Because self-centeredness is so bad, I don't want to be focused on myself. And they're still focused on themselves, trying not to be (laughs) self-centered. Okay? So they're constantly thinking of themselves in all negative terms. It's self-centeredness. Truly humble people are Christ-centered. Truly humble people are dying to self... uh, 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 in a sense of wanting, by, by wanting to live for Jesus. It's not a case of, I want to live for Jesus, so I'm going to die to self. It's a case of, I'm living for Jesus, so I've died to self. It's a slight, slight, slight difference there. It's just the bigger focus is on Jesus, not on you. You know, most false religions practice, or teach a practice of self-denial. Christianity is not doing that. The legalistic... Uh, Jews, Paul was preaching against, did that. Paul was not just dead to himself, he was alive to God. We don't want corpses walking around. Christianity is not zombianity. It's not about us just being dead. Christ is full of emotion. Amen? If you've watched The Chosen, you see that. Okay, if you've watched uh, 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 The Son of God and all those kind of movies, you see, he's not just a, you know, just this, you know, a pale-faced, skinny individual who's floating around. He's got emotion. He's excited. He's got a whip. He's passionate. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he, he's full of emotion. So we should have emotion in us. Because Christ is in us. 
but not your stinking emotions. Those are the emotions that you've got to let go of. And you've got to embrace Christ in you. Okay? A focus on the denial of self without the enthronement of Christ leads to legalism. So if we're not focused about, on Christ living in me, and we're just focusing on, I need to deny myself, I need to deny myself, you're in legalism. I need to deny the chocolate cake, I need to deny the chocolate cake. But what can you have? <laughs> a carrot. No, I'm joking. It's a bad example. Paul had learned the secret to victorious Christian living. And it's an identity in Christ. Paul had learned the secret to victorious Christian living. It's not us living for Jesus. It's Jesus living in us. It's Jesus living in us. And through this series, we're going to see what does that mean? Jesus living in me. What does that mean? Who am I now that Jesus lives in me? When we don't understand this simple truth of it's not about what I do, but what He's done and where He lives in me, it's the root of all legalism and performance mentality. Okay, the law focuses on the external, what I need to do. But grace focuses on the internal, what Christ has done for me. Okay, and on my heart. So, 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 so important that we understand our identity in Christ and what we're made of so that we can live the lives that God's called us to live. We never will without knowing this. And so the body of Christ, by and large, worldwide, has an identity crisis. And that's what we need to make sure that individually we don't have an identity crisis. Churches have identity crisis in that they're focused on everything but the Great Commission. That's an identity crisis. Because if you see yourself as an ambassador of Christ with the ministry of reconciliation and the message of re reconciliation, you, you, you're not going to be mistaken about what should I do. There, there, there's no confusion around what's my ministry. Why? Because I know my identity. I'm an ambassador. I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm in the family business. He's given me a message, and He's given me a, a ministry. So that's pretty simple now, I know what to do. So, knowing your identity will help you to know your purpose, and walk in your purpose, and make decisions in accordance with how God sees you, what God desires for you. It'll bring joy, it'll bring peace, it'll change everything. Identity will also lead to freedom. In terms of if there's bondages, if there's sin, if there's uh, mental struggles, in terms of uh, 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 anxiety and things like that, this is the key, identity. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.co.